Hi, I'm Hilary Doyle, and welcome to the Innovator's Guide to the Future of Work podcast. Today, we're speaking with venture capitalist Kevin Swan about how to grow your small to medium-sized business without succumbing to the pitfalls that trip up everyone else. Kevin Swan is a VP of Corporate Development with AppDirect and a venture partner with iNovia. This man knows about startups and he knows about prickly business dealings. He's a former beekeeper and Stanford engineer with vast VC experience in the Valley and across Canada. Kevin is heavily invested in the ins and outs of the startup world literally and figuratively. You're gonna wanna hang on his every word. We caught up with Kevin via GoToMeeting from his home office located just outside of San Francisco. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you, Hillary, great to be here. Kevin, you have a long history in venture investing. How can entrepreneurs make themselves and their companies absolutely irresistible to people like you? If we're talking at the very early stage, I think it's all about finding an, an outlying characteristic. In venture capital, I think the worst thing you can do is kind of go through a checklist of looking for, okay, do they have the team? Do they have the product? Do they have this? Do they have these numbers? And kind of going through a whole checklist. And once you you kind of hit the 10 boxes, like, okay, we can make an investment. They they, uh, they pass the test. Um, instead, I think it's, it's much more important to kind of look for an outlying characteristic in terms of, you know, an amazing product, in terms of uh, an incredible founder, um, maybe an incredible metric in one aspect that, okay, we don't know what the business model is going to be and we don't know um, how they're going to scale this, but they're, you know, they're growing at 20% a month without doing anything. Um, that's interesting. Now, obviously, later rounds, you have to start actually start building a business and getting, you know, key metrics and every round you move along the kind of venture path, um, you know, you need more and more validation, obviously, to, to what you're ultimately doing. I know that your first seed fund Cardinal Venture Partners made investments that didn't return. I'm wondering what kinds of concrete lessons you took from those early experiences. Yeah, I, I always joke that was the learning fund. <laughs> We've all had one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it even sounds kind of funny saying a lot of uh, a lot of experience because I think some of the best uh, VCs around and some of the, the kind of legends in the space say that it takes a minimum of 10 years to uh, you know to build a good VC and so. I, I still have a lot to learn, but it's, you know, the only way you can really learn it is by, is by doing, you obviously want to surround yourself with some, some great mentors. And I've been very fortunate to have that opportunity, but you definitely, you definitely learn a lot. And I think initially a lot of the mistakes I made was if you're kind of entrepreneurially driven, the first thing you, you think of when you meet a company is what you would do with it or the potential that you see in it. And while that's important, you have to remember at the end of the day that you're backing the entrepreneur. And the entrepreneur is the one that's going to, uh, you know, the company's going to, going to succeed or or die on on their uh, his or her shoulders. So pick someone with great vision and drive, and you've got a winner on your hands, yeah. You know, I I love uh, Mike Moritz from Sequoia, who's uh, you know obviously one of the most renowned venture capitalists ever. Um, I always think about his quote, where he says, "Venture capital is is really about picking the right flock of birds, but then also picking the right bird out of that flock." And I think that pretty much sums up venture investing to a T in that you got to get the market right. And a lot of times it doesn't even exist when you're first uh, first investing. Um, but it's not just as much about getting the market or the idea or the product right. Um, generally, these markets turn out to be winner take all. So you also need to bet on the winner in that, in that group. We want to give entrepreneurs and founders an opportunity to really take some concrete advice out of this podcast. So, Kevin, I'm wondering if there are any areas of growth that could be better exploited by entrepreneurs? You know, I think the biggest challenge uh, you see quite often with entrepreneurs is the ability to 
to kind of start stepping back um, and bringing in the people that can can really scale the company. You really kind of moved through this transition of in the very beginning having people, uh, you know, especially the founders wearing so many hats, playing so many different roles. And as you kind of hit that stage, you need to start really doubling down on individual contributors who can can grow their areas of the company at a much faster pace, you know, getting that VP of marketing or sales that can really uh, drive their respective organizations much more than you, the founder, could. So is it fair to say then that founders need to just give up what they've done until now to make the company successful and step into a new role? I always like the analogy that ultimately, you know, you've been a successful entrepreneur. One day you can pretty much look around and realize that you don't really do much anymore because you've, uh, you know, surrounded yourself with all those individual contributors that can do all their defined uh, roles much better than you could. So I think that's, uh, you know, one key thing. And uh, one thing that's hard for that too with entrepreneurs is it's, uh, you know, you're going to have to spend to do that, like getting those types of people who've done it before and have proven track records, uh, they're, they're not cheap. And, uh, you know, when you get those growth stages, a lot of times why you, you need to raise a lot of capital in order to do it um, as you start scaling out the different processes and uh, different parts of your organization. Okay, fair enough. But obviously, as you say, that is capital intensive. So what is your number one piece of advice for a medium-sized company looking to grow and attract their next round of investment? Uh, well, those later stages, it's, it's very much going to be boiled down to kind of three things. Is, you know, Number one, just the trajectory of the company. Growth is probably the hardest thing for an investor to ignore. Uh, you know, in the early days, you're very much selling a vision, you're telling a great story. But once you hit these growth rounds, like you, you need to have the numbers to back it up in terms of the, the trajectory that you're on. And, you know, it's probably going to become important at this time of, of kind of starting to look at the core underlying, you know, economics and, and numbers of the business model as well to show that it's going to scale and uh, that at scale hopefully becomes even more efficient. Um, and then the last part, especially if you're dealing with VCs, just because of the return expectations they have, it has to be a large market opportunity. You know, you can't build successful VC-backed companies in small markets. So you have to have that going as well. Big market opportunity, check. What else do growth stage companies need to consider? At the end of the day, it's, uh, it's, it's that growth that, that you know, investors just can't turn away. And then the other factors that as they dig deeper, they're going to be looking at is, you know, what is that competitive advantage you have against everyone else in the market? Um, and even better is what is, what is the defensibility to your business and to the business model? You know, like what is the, the defensive measure or the moat that you've built that's going to keep others out of this market or at least unable to unseat you as the market leader? You need something that kind of gives you that unfair advantage. Uh, startups are hard enough and by default, they're going to fail. So if you do not have a competitive advantage, it's very, very tough to go forward. I'm going to get back to Canada for a second. For Canadian companies, what can they be doing to set themselves ahead of the pack while still being headquartered here? I'm obviously a big, big believer in Canada, being from there, uh, spending most of my uh, career there so far and, and still very active up there. And um, we're, we're starting to see a huge change. Um, I first came back to Canada from the Silicon Valley in uh, 2007. And Canada was a wasteland in terms of VC startups, tech companies, um, and you know everything associated to it. And it's just been just phenomenal to see kind of the renaissance happening in Canada right now with just some amazing entrepreneurs, some amazing tech companies. What specifically is changing? You know, in terms of building companies in Canada, right now we have some pretty phenomenal competitive advantages. Um, I think more on the engineering technology side. You know, most of the companies we see, you can essentially get engineering talents in Canada that's just as high quality as in Silicon Valley for up to as much as one-fourth the cost, which is incredible when you think about it. Um, so the cost savings is great. 
Um, however, you know, as a business person, you just think that that competitive advantage is so huge, it's no brainer. However, we do have to remember going back to the idea that with venture back startups, you know, very much being in a winner take all market, at the end of the day, it isn't about having the best business economics or the lowest cost base. It's about winning. So you still have to still have to keep that focus. But as the business model scales, it definitely becomes a huge factor. Okay, so outside of funding and hiring, what else is working in Canada to fuel the entrepreneurial ecosystem? In Canada, there's you know a lot of community support right now. Um, this is really supporting entrepreneurs, which is great. We're seeing the venture community, venture capital community, really start to develop and evolve in Canada with some great funds emerging. And we're seeing huge participation from U.S. venture capital funds in Canada. Over the last couple of years, over half the money that's been invested into Canadian startups has come from U.S. funds. And I think that's a healthy yeah. thing. Um, I don't think that we should be trying to, you know, protect that industry in Canada or something. I think we need that cross-border collaboration. So, um, you know, just all those all those factors have just been phenomenal. And where are there still challenges? What's impacting startups in Canada? Really quickly, I think some of the challenges are it, it is hard to get senior executive talent in Canada for tech companies mm-hmm. that have the experience, have been through these kind of growth companies. There is a lot of talented people in Canada, unfortunately. A lot of them end up down here. The last stat I saw, there's 350,000 Canadian citizens in the Silicon Valley alone. And then obviously through acquisitions, you know, we have some great Canadian startups that, that have some great emerging leaders in there and they get acquired by, uh, you know, companies down here and then uh, they end up uh, coming down here. So a lot of times what we see is this model where you can definitely absolutely start in Canada, grow in Canada, but as you start really scaling your sales and marketing and more business functions of the company, you know, you generally start even setting up offices down here uh, in the United States, which I think makes a lot of sense. Kevin, finally, as an investor, what's your advice for companies looking to raise capital, be it venture or other funding sources? What should an entrepreneur be considering? I, you know, honestly, I think if you're not already on that venture kind of path, I think, I think the best question you can ask yourself is if it's right for you. I think a lot of times it looks like raising capital is the easy way, because if you have the money, you can do you know, so much more. But at the end of the day, a lot of the greatest companies were built on very constrained resources and really focusing on nailing the model and nailing the product. And at the end of the day, a lot of capital can actually mess that up. And the other problem is that, you know, if you're a mid-sized company as an entrepreneur and you, you know, you have good ownership stake and you've built a lot of net worth up in your company, as soon as you go out and raise money, you put yourself on a certain path where a success is going to be at a much higher bar. And, there's a lot of situations and outcomes that are not going to work out very well for you. And you have to be comfortable with that. And that really involves um, really kind of listening to your convictions about what you're doing and where you're going. And I think a lot of the times, you know, we just promote a little bit too much. And this obviously comes from the venture industry as well, that, that the right answer is just always to raise capital and always to, you know, spend more and push more. And uh, the fact is some companies aren't built for it. Many markets aren't built for it. And some people aren't built for it. And there's nothing wrong with that. For for every high growth entrepreneur out there, there are hundreds, if not thousands of entrepreneurs who have built great small to medium businesses that are spitting off million dollars a year in cash flow. Those kind of companies have made a lot more millionaires than, than these high growth tech companies. So I, I think it's just a realization of just, kind of really coming, uh, having that self-awareness to know who you are as an entrepreneur and a person and uh, just just what your company is. Most of them are just not built for that path and to go out and raise a bunch of capital. Um, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that'll tell you that's the worst thing they ever did. Sage advice from Kevin Swan. Such a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you, Hillary. It's great to chat. 
That was my conversation with Kevin Swan, VP of Corporate Development with AppDirect and venture partner with iNovia. Find him on Twitter, at KSwan. The Innovator's Guide to the Future of Work is brought to you by GoToMeeting. To try GoToMeeting free for 30 days, visit gotomeeting.ca and enter code INNOVATOR. Also, watch for the other segments of this podcast series. We're diving into the challenges today's finest entrepreneurs are facing and the successful tactics they're using to scale their businesses. Listen to the series and learn more about innovation and entrepreneurship at futureofwork.gotomeeting.ca. Thanks for listening.